Welcome back to the Fable Caution Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris Harris. And unfortunately, we do not. We have one half of the Rebel Gangs not here. Brady couldn't make it with us tonight. But we do have the one and only Chandler Carney. How we doing, buddy? Doing great. Saturday was a great day. Riding high off the weekend. Yeah, you had a great weekend. I had a good one, too. Brady, not so much. But, you know, that's why we do this. It's a, it's a long-term thing. It's not short-term. But to recap the weekend, I think you, Chandler went eleven and two. You went up, uh, I think you went up eight units, and then I went three and two, and then on Saturday went up one point nine two. On Sunday, I had one play. It was the Colts minus three. They covered easily. Went up another unit, and then Chandler lost a couple of units from Saturday. But look, it's a long term thing. It's not short term. We're in it for the long term. Um, I think I went what two and four. Yeah, it was like two, two and four. But I think it was the the you had Miami. I, I had Miami money line that hit, and then and I the Pittsburgh money line, Steelers money line, and that hit. So um, I think those plus monies really helped it out. Like it didn't make it look as bad as what as it could have been. Like. Yeah. yeah, Chargers screwed me. Uh, Patriots could, you know, they definitely could have won the game and. I was probably three plays from going 15 and, and four for the weekend, probably. Which is, which is not going to say – Two of those losses were parlays. Yeah, uh, and it's it's. – I'm not going to say it's not heard of, but it, the 15 and four doesn't happen very often. Um, now, here's another thing. If, if they didn't turn back that Rutgers touchdown call in the lateral play – we would be having a completely different podcast today. I promise you that. But that came through. Thank the Lord. Um, my two unit play, my first two unit play of the year hit. So that's good. Uh, just a rundown on how we're all doing the start this uh, the podcast in this football season. Me, Chris, um, twelve and eighteen minus three point eight units right now. Chandler twenty eight and twenty one plus point seven nine units. Brady's 10 and 16 minus 3.59 units. And overall, we're 50 and 55 minus 6.72 units. But we were down 14 units last week. Not anymore. We're on the right side up. All right. So, tell me, man. I'm the greatest handicapper that's ever been. Hey. I'm going to try to get there. All right. And we got I will a lot bear that back for us all. <laughs> But uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk about some of these games this past weekend. And, and the first one I want to talk about is Michigan. Uh, they were upset by Michigan State. Their in-state rivals, twenty-four to twenty. Um, and I kind of got no, excuse me, twenty-seven, twenty-four. I had them minus twenty-four and a half. Um, I think I said something to Brady on Twitter to where like, am I stupid for literally laying three touchdowns with Michigan in a rivalry game? <laughs> But, like, I turned the game on, and, like, it just jumped out immediately to where, like, Michigan secondary couldn't cover anybody. And it was penalty. It was, like, pen- like it was like they'd get Michigan State in a third third long situation and then a pass interference or, like, a defensive holding would happen. It'd just extend drive. So, I could – just the moment I started watching this game, I knew it wasn't going to be good. So, What's your ideas of Michigan in that game and then moving forward as, like, a handicap to try to back? Well, so I was at work, obviously. And when I'm at work, I just kind of, like, have a game on my tablet. And I saw your tweet, 
that said, uh, why does the BS have to start so early on my gambling Saturday? And I was like, I was like, oof, it's going to be a long day for Christopher. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't think that necessarily was a bad pick just because of how bad Michigan State looked. Because they played um, – Played Minnesota week one. So so Michigan played Minnesota week one. Michigan State played um, – Ruggers. Okay. And they looked awful against Rutgers. And so I think now you're kind of seeing that after last week, Minnesota's defense is really not all there because Maryland was, you know, obviously put up some points on them. Uh, and that kind of nobody knew that, I guess. I didn't know that. I didn't expect that. So I don't think it was a stupid bet going in. Uh, but I guess in hindsight, it's, you know, you're betting with hardball. So – that, you know, that is very risky. Well, because I had put that Michigan bet in earlier in the week, so I think I had put it in Thursday, and then I watched the the Maryland and Minnesota game on Friday, and then that's where it kind of – like, I think if I would have waited till Saturday to put the Michigan bet in, I wouldn't have done it because of how bad Minnesota's defense was. Um, And that comes into the hindsight of week one, I think is a learning set to every handicapper is that, Teams aren't always as bad as they look in week one, but they're always not as good as they look in week one. And I think that kind of Michigan kind of fell into that territory that they're not as good as they looked week one. But, I mean, I felt like at the time I was on the right side, but wasn't. Now, um, looking forward, it's just, there's like, okay, so week one, the, the question was is that Michigan was so young new quarterback, new offensive line, new new faces on the defense. And the questions weren't really answered in week one against Minnesota. But I think they got answered in week two. And I, I only think it gets tougher for them here on out. Um, But, like, we talk about off-air. It's also a team that I don't – you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. So Absolutely so, not. Because we're going to talk there, – there's one game we're going to talk about in our look ahead to, to week ten. And I want to talk about that later with their game with Indiana and how the line looks. But this uh, – I want to say Michigan's a fade team right now. But then, like you said, you, you don't ever know what you're going to get. All right, moving on, Ohio State um, does what Ohio State does. They just roll over opponents. And they rolled over a good team in Penn State. Um, final score was 37-25. Um, 38-25. Get the cover at minus 10.5, but the – Closing line pushed at 63. I know our buddy Brady had 64, so that's tough. But, um, yeah, Ohio State looks – just feels they look like Ohio State look good. And Penn State, honestly, is a good team. They just – I don't know. They I mean, they're have, not Ohio State. And, and yeah. it's just – Ohio. I said this before. Ohio State will go 10-0 and against the spread this year. I will, I'm, I will bet their spread every single week. No, and I don't disagree with you at all because there's teams like I wish I've been on Liberty all all year. I wish I was on BYU all year. Hell, I wish I've been on Coastal Carolina all year. That okay, that is the team. Okay, I bet them five straight weeks. Okay, yeah. they are they are uh, six and zero against the spread. They're rolling. You're talking about I, Liberty. 
No, uh, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina. Uh, dude, and I t- in my upset pick, I took Georgia State. And um, what was the final score? Like 51 nothing. Yeah, that's just, yeah, 51 nothing. Dude, they had a – And they were only a four-point favorite. Yeah, I know. That's a crazy thing. Like, Georgia State is a three-point underdog at home, and he lose 51 nothing, And he only had 110 yards of total offense at home. Coastal Carolina is legit, straight up. Like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think they'll be I – th- I, and I talked about this on, on, my po- on my podcast this morning, and you can go listen to it, uh, the Chandler Carney Show. But I think this will be the year you, you we may see a, a group of five team go. I'm not saying it's going to be Coastal Carolina. Um, but I think that they have a really, really good chance – uh, I think there's four teams that have a really good chance it's not Power 5 to go to a New Year's Six Bowl just because of the way everything is this year. And I think it's Coastal Carolina. I think it's Liberty. Uh, Cincinnati has looked amazing in their games. And I think it's BYU. I think BYU uh, may actually get a chance to play in the playoff, um, either BYU or Cincinnati. I don't think Car- Coastal Carolina has that – strength of schedule they don't yeah. have that you know and they're still in the Sun Belt whereas Cincinnati is in the American Conference they are playing the best of the group of fives so I wouldn't be surprised uh just dead serious yeah no uh Cincinnati I was high on them coming into the season um it's mainly because they play really really good defense and Desmond Ritter was kind of questioned and he's been a little off and on, but lately they've been playing really good on offense. I mean, that's a team you really want to back. And and talk about BYU is BYU's problem is strength of schedule, and they they have no control over their schedule. But I think adding Boise State onto the schedule helps that. Um, and we'll see how they do this weekend. Um, but the thing with BYU and I, I think BYU even like they're covering these spreads that are so big right now. It's because they have to score as many points as possible to look good to try to make the playoffs. So BYU, honestly, right now is like a a you have like it's a bet on team, just because they will run in that extra touchdown with a minute left in the game. Like that's because they have to. Yeah, and I think that there's they've only played in one game. Uh, I think it was against uh, UTSA where they didn't cover the spread, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a very close football game. But I think uh, UTSA has a, a really uh, good defense. They've had a really good defense for a few years now. Like Pete Golden really left his mark on that defense from a while back. So I think that if you looked at that, that's really an underrated defense that they played against, which it can also be scary in terms of them trying to play a bigger, bigger school. Well, UTSA has been playing good this year. The problem is they've – They've had all three of their quarterbacks hurt at one point. Yeah. They haven't – like, Lyle Narcisse came into that game in the second half and was literally lighting it up because he's that good. But he got hurt the next week, you know, so they're back on Frank Harris, which Frank Harris ain't bad, but, you know, it's just you're constantly rotating through quarterbacks. You can't find a continuity. And I'll be honest, Liberty has been a cover machine too, but the one week I did bet on them, they didn't cover. So, I want to get back on them, but – but um, but there, there's a, like you said, there's a couple of group of fives. I think BYU has the best chance to make a playoff, but that has to come into effect of like 
a two-loss SEC team or a two-loss ACC team. Because with the Pac-12 playing six games uh, – at- Because like the like the Pac-12 playing six games is just hard to put them in a playoff with such a small sample size, and especially if one team doesn't really run the table. So they'll play seven. They're playing seven. So they're playing six, and then the seventh week is um, one versus two, three versus four, and all that on down the line. So everybody they'll they'll play seven, uh, but that one versus two matchup is going to be their conference championship game. I think also you have to think about from a different perspective. Yeah, that is a really small sample size. You can go ahead, Big 12's out. I think Oklahoma's yeah, going to win with two losses. They're going to win the conference. Oklahoma's best team in the Big 12. So, you you come back, and, and I, I believe it's going to be Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and uh, I think Notre Dame will end up having two losses or at least having that loss in the ACC title game that's so late that they don't want to put them in. Uh, Georgia may not have two losses, but Georgia doesn't look really great. I think that's where you'll get the other SEC team is it it will be Georgia or nobody. And then you have to think that this playoff committee, they're not going to do the Pac-12 any favors. They're not going to do uh, the Big Ten any favors outside of Ohio State because they're going to earn that right to play in the title game. But other than that, um, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 threw these other conferences under the bus. Uh, that's who runs the playoff or, or these Power Five conferences. And I think that they're going to look at, at you know, hey, look, uh, we'll put a group of five school in. And, and even if they do, even if it's for – it's 2020, so much has happened – this is so unusual. Let's put a group of five school in. Pray to God they get their teeth beat in to where we can prove that, okay, they don't belong. Right. Uh, but another thing, too, is that they, they have the perfect opportunity for this year alone to expand the playoff to at least six teams, and they didn't do it, which I – Well, if you're going to expand it, I mean, I wouldn't – you would have to do eight. Uh, six is just – it's not well, that even. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can do six. I mean, the first and the one and two seeds get a bye. You can do six, but I'm a bigger fan of eight, but I'm just saying it in general, like this was the perfect year to expand it, and they didn't do it, and I thought they just screwed up on that. Well, I think it's that it's more to do with uh, – the playoff has more to do with the bowl game and the bowl game money than it does to actually find out who the actual best team is. So let's just be honest about it. Um, you couldn't do like you couldn't have a team playing in two bowl games, and then let's just say they're two New Year's Six bowl games. They're you know, I don't think that that's a thing that should happen. So I agree with with them leaving it the way they did, and also you have to think that there was a time where they probably didn't even know this was going to happen. If you would even get to the point to have the playoff, so. It's all about the it's all about the bowl games and the money, and it's really hard to expand that and it and it makes sense. Yeah, I just I, I, I'm sure as as college football fans, it would have been nice, especially with all these other leagues like expanding their playoffs. Um, but at you know, like you said, you Clemson, Alabama, because there's no, nobody's beating Alabama in the SEC, like period. 
you know, the, the, the next biggest test for Alabama might be LSU, LSU next week, and that's not even a test just because they don't know how to play defense. But um, you, you might be looking at, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and then maybe a one-loss Georgia or one-loss Florida or whoever. But um, but that would be interesting. I, w- I would like to see a, 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 a non-Power 5 in there. Like, And I think BYU's got a shot, especially if they run the table and just obliterate the rest of the opponents they have. But, um, but then talking about Clemson, they had a scare – uh, this past Saturday, barely um, squeaking by Boston College. They didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Um, it seemed like a part of that game. He, uh, um, Boston College's coach was, like, out coaching Dabo Sweeney. Um, but DJ, I'm not even going to – I'm not even going to pronounce his last name. He actually played – Ukulele, for- man. You, like like a ukulele, but with a G. So he was on the show uh, uh, QB one basically. Um, I remember yeah. him playing. At, I remember him playing at St. John Bosco. I remember yeah. like I, I did, he was on my radar like coming out of high school. I'm like this kid's gonna be good. Uh, yeah, I think he's um, just from watching that show, and it's not his fault. His coach, had, uh, you know, Real Mitchell was a starter, and he was the one that was featured on the show actually. And I think St. John Bosco's coaches were just total bitches to, to Real. They really love DJ. Uh, they always pronounce his name DJ Ukulele. And, it, and it's, it's like Ukulele, but with a G. Um, now, I'm not fluent, obviously, in uh, Hawaiian last names. So um, maybe, I, maybe it's, you know, something with an N sounding. Uh, but I, it was just a joke between uh, me and Brady. We always used to just call him ukulele. So uh, I think DJ will work just just like you know with Tua. Yeah, to, and and plus you got Talia out there, so now you got another tongue of Iloa and now a ukulele. I mean, that, it doesn't get easier on us. Um, but he ended up playing really really well. Um, but I feel like at I don't know, it was just a tough game. I knew going in, even if they had Trevor Lawrence, I knew that you know them laying thirty one especially with a look-ahead spot with Notre Dame, would be good value in Boston College. And it ended up being good value. I mean, they had their chances in the game. But what was what? what's your idea of Clemson moving forward without Trevor Lawrence in this game with Notre Dame? Not necessarily preview the game, but like as an outlook of the whole entire team. Uh, I think that early in that game, you probably thought, uh, wow, Trevor Lawrence – you know, means so much to this team. Now, I think that Jeff Halfley is a really good coach. He's that, that's the head coach at Boston College. And he's taking over a program that was, al- was always, like, just very mediocre but showed flashes of being good under uh, uh, Adazio. And he's, he's the, he was the former defensive coordinator from Boston College. So – I think he has Boston College believing, true freshman quarterback. Um, but personally, I don't think – I don't understand why Trevor Lawrence can't play Saturday. Like, all these protocols and stuff are unnecessary. I think that this Notre Dame game, you know, I, them I still think Clemson is going to win this ball game 
But I think it's going to come down to the wire, obviously. Uh, DJ's still a good quarterback. Uh, he, you know, found his footing. If the defense can just, you know, play the whole game like they did that second half, uh, they'll be fine. Uh, I think Notre Dame is – and even if Notre Dame wins, I think they'll see each other in the ACC championship game regardless of of this. I think they'll be the two teams that go to the ACC championship game. So, uh, it could actually not matter in the end. Yeah, no, they're going to be in the ACC championship game. Um but I think the biggest thing with Clemson, like the biggest, I think, factor, because, okay, you got a true freshman quarterback going on the road against – Notre Dame's got a good defense. They they do. Um, which I think – I mean, they're, they're very creative. Clemson is on the offensive side of the ball. They still have athletes, Amari Rogers, Travis Etienne. I mean, some Notre Dame hasn't seen all year long, not even close to it. But I think the biggest factor is – is to not let Ian Book beat you deep. If if you can cover the big guys they have on the outside, I think Clemson would be just fine. I'm not gonna say it could be a route, but I think I think they'll just I think they'll win the game. If uh, yeah, I think if it if they end up winning by two scores, it's gonna be um, a late touchdown to seal it. Right. Yeah. I it just I think it comes down to like because Notre Dame does have some big guys on the outside that can make some plays if Ian Book decides to go deep. It's just if they can find a way to kind of contain that, I think they'll be just fine. All right, now the most exciting thing about this college football season is that we get a full card on Wednesdays now with the Mac. The Mac. Well, back. I think it'll actually it'll be Tuesdays, won't it? No, it's. I think it's Wednesdays. Yeah, there... but it, it can't be this Tuesday because of the election. Uh, all college football programs can't practice, play, or have anything to do with the facilities for the um, – on election days. And that's not just this year. That is every year. No, I didn't know. Oh, because they got to go out and vote and stuff. Yeah, and even if they've already early voted, uh, it still gives them a chance to uh, work, you know, volunteer at a precinct or, you know, do different organizational helps, uh, hold signs. So – uh, I think normally these will be on Tuesdays. Uh, it's just Wednesday because of this week and how it falls. But, yeah, Maction's back, baby. It It is it's back, and it's the best time of the year. This is Christmas come early. Yeah, the, I mean, For look, degenerate gamblers. Degenerate gamblers, all right? If it's not a Saturday at 9 o'clock at night or a Tuesday at 6 o'clock, you know what I'm saying? You're not a gambler, all right? You're not a, you can't call yourself a degenerate if you're not putting money down on the Mac. If you've never sweated out an Hawaii bet at 11.45 at night on a Saturday, you're not a real gambler. That's right. And, look, if you're not sweating out a Nevada and UNLV game in Allegiant Stadium, you're not a gambler. It's just You have to get the fun of these games. And we're going to go right into it. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't really looked into it and broke down these ga- uh, these teams and games. But there's a couple things. So the MAC title odds: Buffalo is a favorite at plus two hundred and fifty. Uh, Ohio is the second favorite at plus three hundred and fifty. Uh, I think Bowling Green and Akron's the worst. They're at plus like ten thousand. But I mean yeah. Akron. Don't waste Akron, your money. Yeah, don't waste your money. Don't you ever back Akron ever? Uh, you make money long term. Fade. Well, them. if Brady Scott was in here, he'd tell you, you know, you'd never bet Bowling Green. So. Yeah, look, I'm down with not betting both those teams. Now, okay, so I wanted to – they're probably going to play each other this year. 
and that would probably be the greatest game ever. Bowling Green and Akron. You better have all your money on it. But um, there was one. It's I have a game. Chandler's betting the whole card. I'm only oh, yeah. betting one game. Um, but you go ahead, Chandler, and break down some of the games that you're looking at, and uh, kind of give us a preview of you know what you think is going to happen this Wednesday. All right, I'm gonna give you all eight bets. There's seven. There. Okay, so there's six games. I'm gonna give you all seven bets that I have for this. Okay. We are going seven and zero Wednesday night. All right. Seven and zero. First up on the card, I have Western Michigan, and they are playing. Uh, Akron. Yes, I don't understand why I didn't write that down. <laughs> Western Michigan will cover at minus 18, okay? Sky Moore, if you don't know who Sky Moore is, okay, he's the wide receiver for Western Michigan, probably the best wide receiver since Corey Davis and probably will break all of Corey Davis's records by the end of his time at Western Michigan. Uh, he's the difference. He's He had 51 receptions last year for 802 yards. Uh, this is a really good Western Michigan team playing against – Again, Akron, uh, they're going to win this game easily. Minus 18, bet them. Uh, Kent State, uh, they are playing Eastern Michigan, if I'm not mistaken, and they're going to cover at minus six. Okay, Kent State, minus six. Here's the thing. Quarterback Dustin Crum, he's, a, he's very good, all right? He doesn't turn the ball over much, and Eastern Michigan, will, they have a very, very inexperienced be very inexperienced on defense. Uh, four or six of their leading tacklers from last season, gone. Three of their secondary positions from last year, gone. Dustin Crum's going to have a field day with this defense. He's going to pick them apart. Uh, Kent State, minus six. All right, so next up, Buffalo, minus 11 against NIU, Northern Illinois. Um, Northern Illinois, this is a rebuild season for them for sure. They've lost most of their starters to graduations, and the starters who didn't graduate transferred out. Um, to put this into perspective, Northern Illinois has 62 freshmen on their roster. 62. That is absolutely insane. So I think Buffalo and uh, the running back Jarrett Patterson uh, will win handedly. Okay. They have a really good run game. No, we are not just taking the favorites here. We're going Ball State plus two over Miami, Ohio. Okay? This is going to catch some people off guard. Miami, Ohio, I think this is – the, did you not say that they were the favorite or, or is Buffalo? No, Buffalo's favorite. Ohio is at plus 350. And I want to say Miami of Ohio is in third. I think they want to yeah. – I want to say they're four to one. So, uh, Miami, Ohio is going to – is a two-point favorite. Uh, Ball State is going to win this game, okay? Ball State plus two. Now, Ball State is going to roll offensively. They are set. They're ready to go. Defense, that's a little question mark. They're going to struggle a little bit. Uh, quarterback Drew Pitt will put up numbers. Does not turn the ball over much. I think last year it was a 24-7 to ratio. Miami, Ohio are without their – Dynamic duo running backs. Um, one's out for the year. One will be out this game. So, they're going to their third string running back. Um, 
it shouldn't matter much, okay, because Ball State does not have a really good defense, okay? So Miami, Ohio's running backs being out that much, not going to matter. So we're going Ball State plus two. Neither team's going to have a defense. We're going over 55 and a half, okay? Now, Miami, Ohio, all respect to them. Here's the thing. Ohio University is going to win the MAC this year. All right, go on, write that down. Go on, place your wager for it. Whatever Chris is giving you, put it on there. We're taking Ohio over uh, Central Michigan uh, at minus one and a half. Ohio just has playmakers on the outside. Uh, their defense did give up uh, 40 points four times last year, so I, I think they'll be good. They won't be great. They're going to be improved. Central Michigan returns a lot of starters, but it was on a very mediocre defense, uh, and actually a defense that was below average. Um, while Ohio is is returning some on on a good defense, so um, Ohio is going to uh, is going to win the game, and they're going to make a run for this conference title for sure. And then in the last one, uh, Toledo minus twenty one over Bowling Green. We will take that. All the numbers, take them. Bowling Green stinks. Uh, Toledo has completely overhauled their entire coaching staff. And here's two names for you to remember, okay? Toledo might have the best running back duo in the entire country um, in, in Kobach and Seymour. They, they combined last year for over 1,900 yards and 17 touchdowns. They are going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action all day. Uh, so I think anytime somebody's playing Bowling Green, you take the numbers. Uh, Toledo minus 21. Those are our seven picks. We will go 7-0 and Wednesday night. Look, you're going – the way you're talking, you can't prepare, man. I mean, I, shit, I might – you might have me betting the whole freaking card. But no, the only the only bet I have in, and I agree with Chandler on this one, is Ball State for right now. I did write down Buffalo minus eleven. I might get to the window with that, and I'll tell you why here in a second. Um, but Ball State, I took them plus two, um, and it's really like he said on offensively they're going to be just fine. Miami Ohio, on the other hand, they're replacing quarterback. I think it's Garrett Gilbert's younger brother. He's playing quarterback for Miami Ohio. Um, but anyways. But they have to – they lose their two top running backs to injury, so they're not they're not going to have two top running backs. And they have to replace a majority of their secondary. And I want to say a couple of linebackers too. So, a lot on their defense. There's not a lot of continuity coming back on Miami, Ohio's defense. Um, so, I, I, I think you got to take the points right here with Ball State, and that's what I did. And the second reason I might go to the window with Buffalo is because – 62 freshmen on roster? That's a lot. 62? Yes, 62 freshmen are on, on the roster. I don't care who you're playing. I, I think they have 17 seniors and 14 juniors, if I'm not mistaken, and, and the rest are, are the 62 freshmen. Look, okay, I know there's some guys, you get some dudes, some studs that come out of high school, right? that are just playmakers right when they get on the field. But if you tell me there's 62 
freshman on Northern Illinois' roster, there's no way you can play him, period. And so that's why I, I – shoot, I, I'm really going to think about that one, but that one might go to – I might take that one to the window. That's insane. I had no idea about that. Good stuff. Good stuff, Chandler. Um, now, outside of Mac, we're going to move into a little bit of week 10, kind of like look-ahead spots. Hey, real um, quick. Listen, man. You don't go 11-2 and two by just betting blindly, man. You got to have reasoning. Sometimes it's good instincts. But, hey, look, you do your research, you know what to bet. Look, I – see, here's here's my thing is that, like, I finished my research by the time we do, like, the preview show. And so, like, I kind of came a little unprepared on this one. um, But because you really showed me up with this Mac preview, and I promise you by next week we will go toe for toe on research. Okay? I'm going to find some sources in the Mac – and we're going to compare, but no, that's, that is really good stuff, Chandler. Um, uh, but now we're going to move on to some look ahead stuff here in week ten. Um, we're going to start uh, my look ahead, which I don't understand this line at all. Um, I don't know if you may be able to talk me off of it, but Indiana's catching three at home against Michigan after what Michigan did last week against Michigan State. Indiana's 2-0 straight up, 2-0 against the spread. Michael Penix Jr. is absolutely killing it so far this season. Um, the Penn State game was a little bit of a misleading box score, but, like, I, I don't know. I, see, he, help me with this, okay? Because some people say, okay, people are like, oh, it's a misleading box score. Yeah, Indiana won, but Penn State dominated the game. Here's my thing. You, you can't say they dominated the game when they lost, okay? With Hang turnovers on. and penalties. On, That's not entirely true. Well, not entirely did true. You, did you see the box score from the Rams-Miami Dolphins game this past no, Sunday? No, I did, but here's the thing, though. The Dolphins had a punt return touchdown, so something was wrong with special teams. And they had a 98, no, like an 80-yard fumble recovery return for a touchdown. And what we can get, you can go look up the, the Ravens and Steelers box score, too. I think the Ravens had like 400 and something yards of offense and the Steelers had like 200 something. Dude, there was one point I turned on the game where the Ravens had nine minutes time possession and the Steelers had 45 seconds of time possession. But it's because Lamar Jackson turned the ball over four times in that game. So like turnovers and penalties come apart and like are part of football. And you can't really handicap turnovers and penalties, but they happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you go and look at that box score with the Steelers and Ravens, yes, Ravens were the right side, but Lamar Jackson had a really bad day. So, I don't know, but um, but back to it, I really want to get to the window with this plus three with Indiana again. They were my two-unit play last week, but this line just stinks. And like, just give me just just give me your opinion on this line and what you're thinking. Uh, so it's uh it's what is Indiana plus three, right? Indiana plus three at home. Yeah, um, I I don't know if home makes a difference right now. No, it uh, doesn't. But not much of a difference. I personally, I like the line. Uh, I think. I think Michigan's a really hard team to judge, though. 
But at the same time, I believe in Tom Allen and, and what, what he's doing at Indiana. I would roll with it. And I actually might even bet that line. Plus three, uh, I'd have to see where the money's going first. But I think that's a good line, especially if you got it in early. Like if you went went to the window and bet it tomorrow, uh, I think that'd be really interesting. Right now I'm trying to wait until uh, the night before or like three or four hours before the kickoffs just because of, you know, those final COVID test results are coming back on Saturday for most people. Uh, so you, you kind of have a better idea of, of, of who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Because we didn't know until very late last week that Trevor Lawrence was going to be out, you know, even though the results were in on Wednesday. So that's kind of why I've been waiting right now. And I think that that would be the only thing that would bite you in the ass. Fair stuff. Um, and then we move on. Another interesting game. We talked about another uh, non-power five that's been killing it. Hugh, the old, the old man and Hugh Freeze is killing it down there at Liberty. They're catching fourteen and a half. Little, you know, two and a half touchdowns against Virginia Tech on the road. Um, I know you had mentioned. I want to say last podcast or a couple podcasts we did how they went to Virginia last year and really showed up and played and covered that game. Uh. I, I like Liberty here, honestly, against Virginia Tech. The only thing is that Virginia Tech is also one of those teams where you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. And Hendon Hooker's a good quarterback, but if he comes to play, it's going to be tough. But um, but defensively, Virginia Tech has not been as solid as they've been in the past, obviously because of um, who's their old defensive coordinator? What's his name? That just retired. Bud Foster. Bud Foster. He's not there no more. So I think that defense is taking a little bit of a hit. So I mean, you might some find some value here with Liberty. What you think? Hey, look, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it. I I will uh, place that bet right now if if I need to prove that. I think 14 and a half is a really good line, and I really think that it will come down by Saturday. Uh, if this line goes up, I may. I may even would make two bets like now and then if it goes to 17 and a half or, you know, 16, I would definitely do that too. I personally think that Liberty has a really good chance to upset Virginia Tech. They, they, they've they been rolling and not just offensively, even defensively. With the exception, I think, of Southern Miss, you know, storming back late, uh, Liberty really hadn't had a uh, breakdown defensively this year. Uh, so, I don't really believe in Virginia Tech that much. Liberty's ranked for the first time ever. Uh, they're 25th in the country. And it's it's crazy that the ranked team is, is the underdog in this game. But I'm rolling Liberty. I think last I looked, it was a plus 460 money line. So, be interesting for yeah. sure. Well, I know you love those money lines. Love I think them like line. a good dog money line, man. I'll tell you what, especially if you hit them. But we got a couple of ranked matchups next week. Uh, a better card. Oklahoma State's going on the road to Kansas State. Uh, Oklahoma State's ranked sixth. Kansas State's ranked 16th. And then we move along. Florida, we have uh, Florida and Georgia. Play. They're playing in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, all okay. every year. Always. I just didn't know with all this stuff going on if they moved away from Jacksonville. So you got 10th ranked Florida. is playing 5th ranked Georgia. 
<clears throat> and then there's a couple other good games on the card. BYU and Boise State. I'm talking about another degenerate special right there. I might have to put some money on it. And then the biggest game of the weekend is going to be Clemson going on the road in Notre Dame. Ranks one and four. Um, I think we're going to have a good card. I think I have might have more volume this week. I got to do some more research. Um, but definitely uh, our preview show. Okay, so I'm going to say sorry now. We didn't do a preview show last week. Um, I'm down here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We had Hurricane Zeta came through. So power was out. I had to spend a lot of time cleaning some stuff up. Um, but this week we're definitely going to have one. And it's it, we're probably either going to do it Wednesday or Thursday night. It might be out to you Thursday or Friday. Um, but we're definitely going to do that on the college preview show. But now next we're going to touch a little bit into the NFL. I'm going to run down some scores. Uh, Atlanta beats Carolina 25-17. Pittsburgh comes back and beats Baltimore 28-24. Kansas City obliterates the New York Jets 35-9. Uh, Cincinnati gets a lead early, actually holds on, wins 31-20. Miami upsets. L.A. 28-17. Buffalo held off New England's late charge, 124-21. Raiders won 16-6 over Cleveland. Minnesota got back on track, won against Green Bay, 28-22. Denver came all the way back from a 24-3 deficit, 130-130. New Orleans uh, wins an overtime, 26-23 over the Bears. And then Seattle Wins 37-27 against the Niners. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, the worst, absolute worst division of all of football, of any cross of any kind of football, wins 23-9 against the Cowboys. And then right now, as we're talking, in the third quarter of the Giants and Tampa Bay game, Giants are up 17-15, but looks like Tom Brady might be able to come back with a comeback here. Uh, he'll, they'll win. They're, just, they're not going to cover. Hmm. Yeah, they're not going to cover. I mean, on a live line right now, it's three and a half. So, if you can get some live. That would probably cover that. Yeah. I see a little – well, I bet live. Uh, I do. I did a couple live bets. Usually when I bet live, I try to do like they're going to score exactly this this amount of points because they're always like, you know, like plus 1,100. And I'm like, what's $20, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. I did exactly. that twice uh, this past weekend. Uh, did not hit either one. <laughs> But, um, yeah, breaking down some games. Uh, like, talk about misleading box score is the Pittsburgh and Baltimore game. And, and to be honest with you, if you look at the box score, I mean, Baltimore dominated. It was just Lamar Jackson's four turnovers. You know, Lamar Jackson has not played well in big games. Uh, it's almost kind of like Peyton Manning back in the day, just a really good quarterback. But a lot of times in those big games, he didn't really show up. Which, I mean, you, you you have to think about it. You have to be a good quarterback to play in those big games because the reason it's a big game is because it's two good teams. Um, he really didn't show up against the Chiefs, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, struggled Sunday. Uh, you can go back to last year in the playoffs. You can say, well, he was young. Uh, it was still a really big game. They didn't win. So, I think that He'll be fine. Ravens will be fine. They're still a playoff team. But I think the Steelers are just on a different level right now. I I wouldn't necessarily – defensively, the Steelers are. 
they've shown glimpses of being really good offensively. But, like, last game – and Baltimore's defense is good um, because you got to think – I mean, Baltimore's defense shut them out in the first half. I I mean, they're up – they're up 17-7, you know, besides the the pick six was the only points that Pittsburgh put up in the first half. Um, yeah, but, and then, you know, then look at what they did in the second half. So, I mean – Yeah, they, yeah, they, they do – That's they, why they're you know, on a different level. And yeah. Tomlin gets no credit for as good of a coach as he is. No, Tomlin's a really good coach. I mean, because the Steelers have – has all they've always been good. You know what I'm saying? They've always – you know, whether it's – if they're if they're 9-7, and seven, they're a streaky 9-7 and seven team. Like, they're, they're – Pittsburgh's always a team you don't want to play in certain situations. And they're just better this year. You know, you know Ben's been okay, but I mean, the defense has just been lights out. Um, and that was proven with um, Lamar's four turnovers. And it doesn't get easier for uh, Lamar Jackson and Ravens uh, next week. Marlon Humphrey has COVID. I haven't checked in to see if there's Ooh. anybody else. Um so that line for next week's not up. They're playing the Colts next week, and so that line um, is not up right now. Because um, it was at four, and I really wanted to go to the window with the Colts, but I I don't know. It's, you got to see what the COVID situation is with uh with the Ravens. Because if it's if it's certain players out, and all of a sudden the Colts are laying points, I don't know if you'd, you'd want the Colts laying points even as well as they've been playing against the Ravens because Ravens really are a really good team. Uh, another spot is that the Bengals got a lead and held on to it against a really good Titans team. Um, and the biggest problem in that game was that the Titans got no pressure on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was just picking them apart all game long. Um, Tennessee got, got it going at the end of the game, but it was kind of a little too late. Um I know you talked about another misleading box score was Miami and L.A. Um, I know you had Miami on the money line, but kind of just talking to that game and how it played out a little bit. Well, I didn't get to watch it. I really This is actually one of the one games I really wanted to watch, uh, but it wasn't available in my area. So, I think, what, defense special teams scored three touchdowns? Yeah, uh, special punt return touchdown for the Dolphins and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And then, so, so what? What they they won twenty eight to to twenty eight seventeen. So if you yeah, take this, a, I think wasn't there? There had to have been another one. There, I think there. there. I think there was one. I think a turnover and the Dolphins had a short field and they capitalized on it. Yeah, because I know to a. I mean, he only threw for ninety two yards and a touchdown, but I don't know, man. They won. Uh, I just kind of kept up with it on my phone. I don't think it was anything beautiful to watch for sure. But it, it kind of seemed like the Dolphins' defense and everybody was just rallying around Tua, uh, playing their best. So, you know, take the pressure off of him. And that's good. And, you know, that that's a really good thing. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, it's not good. <laughs> no, not at all. So, if you had if you had the Dolphins defense and special teams, you made a kill in this week. You probably yeah, won just I mean, on your matchup. Absolutely. But, but I think Brian Flores just has Sean McVay's number. If you go back to like the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, like even then, like LA had a a freak of an offense, but they didn't get anything in that game. So that's something to look forward to. 
going on is like if Brian Flores is coaching against Sean McVay, you might want to side with the Dolphins because it seems like Flores has his number. Um, they finally Minnesota beats Green Bay, and they finally like Mike Zimmer finally is Dalvin Cook. Cook, he I think he had thirty carries for like one hundred and sixty yards, four um, touchdowns, four touchdowns. It's yeah. crazy. Fine, like I mean, he's been there, and they finally let him loose this year. So that's something good in Minnesota. You might find something good there with Minnesota. I, I think Green Bay's fine. Um, honestly, but Dalvin Cook just having one of those games. Uh, another tight game. You had New Orleans. You're a Saints fan. I know you watched this game. Uh, play the Bears, and. Uh, so let's talk about the Bears for one second. So you've got two quarterbacks, Super Bowl winning one, Nick Foles, and a first-round pick in Trubisky. So you bench Trubisky for Foles, okay? But in my opinion, the production is still the same. So can we finally point fingers to Nagy calling the offense? So this is – this is hard for me because when when Nagy became the 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 head coach in, in Chicago, um, you could probably go find this um, in one of the old Eric Sports podcasts that Brady Scott and I uh, used to do. I talked about how Nagy might be the best coach in football that that nobody talked about because he was just like offensively, he was a genius, and then. It was like, I, I don't know. They fired Mark Helfridge and then apparently got, and it was his fault that they sucked. And then now, and then they got suckier after that. Uh, I've always liked Mark Helfridge. I've always thought that he was um, a very underrated football coach. And I think that there's a trend with Chicago offensively. RPOs really work for Chicago and Trubisky. Uh, when Trubisky has more than 75 rushing yards, uh, they usually win the game, and they just don't run him. You know, and, and I, I get you can't really base your whole offense off that in the NFL, but at the same time, I think that you're wasting the defense that you have because you can't admit – you were wrong in drafting Trubisky number two overall. And then you trade for uh, Nick Foles and you take on that massive contract. One of the worst contracts ever. And now it's just like at some point you have to say, whether you're the owner or you're the GM or whoever, uh, we did this, wasn't the smartest thing to do. You have to admit you're wrong, and I don't think anybody's wanting to do that right now in Chicago because they want to be right so bad. Well, you know, it'll be okay. We didn't draft Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. And I, I don't know. It's just – Well, I, the th so the big thing with the whole being wrong thing is that, like, it's because they passed up on Mahomes and Watson, and you see what they're doing, and then you get Trubisky. Which the biggest, and they traded up to get him. Yeah, to get him. So that's why they won't admit because it was a terrible move, obviously. You see Mahomes already has a ring. 
Deshaun Watson would be killing the AFC South if he had competent leadership. But the problem with Trubisky is the inaccuracy throwing the football. That's the biggest thing. He's got he, read defense as well either. He, yeah. I mean, and, and to be honest with you, those are coachable traits, in my opinion. I think it's a coachable trait for sure, but but yeah, I mean it it, it t- you can only take so much like from a guy not learning to be like, okay, well he he doesn't have it. You know what I'm saying? And I get it from him. So, yes, reading defenses, you know, being an accurate passer, that is coaching. I'm not saying it's the lost calls, but what I'm saying is that starts at the high school level. Even in college, you can get way better. Kind of when you're a number two overall draft pick, uh, when people say you're a work in progress, like, Let's just take Justin Herbert, for example. He was going to be a work in progress. We took him number six overall, but, you know, he's going to be a work in progress. That was mainly because Herbert really has lazy feet sometimes in the pocket, and you see it with with quarterbacks that have really strong arms like he does. Uh, He throws off his back foot a lot. just doesn't step into throws. Now, I haven't seen that that much since he's been in L.A., but you can't draft a raw prospect that early at the quarterback position. It's not like in the NBA, for instance, when the Timberwolves took Zach Levine before they took any of his other teammates, and he didn't even freaking start for UCLA. But he was, he was an athletic, natural, raw prospect. That's different. And now, he, now he's one of the best shooters I – He's one of the best shooters on his team. Uh, he, he, can, he can hit. But when he came into the league, he could, couldn't shoot. With a quarterback, if you're going to do that in the NFL, you need to be taking them in the fifth round. Third earliest is the round you should take that in. Yeah. You can't have that with the number two overall pick. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Colts did with Jacob Eason this past season. And it's hoping – it's it's not – I mean, if, they, if, if the Colts are ever in a situation to where they can get a better prospect, they would do it, like Chris Ballard would do it. But it's it's kind of like like you said, a raw prospect that needs some work, like Jacob Eason, he'd take him into the third round. I don't know about number two overall pick. And plus, you had Trubisky on a 7-5 North Carolina team. One year – was it one year? might have been two-year starter. It's not like you get – yeah, I think it was a two-year starter. Yeah, it's not like you're getting Trevor Lawrence, who's a you know what I'm saying a can't miss prospect on. Uh, he's been to two national championships. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, I think Justin Fields in that same conversation too. I think yeah. those are two generational talents. Yeah. You get a guy like Thomas Shade or Mel Kiper Jr. that says, "Oh, look at this guy in North Carolina. He's six foot four. He's two hundred ten pounds. He has all the physical tools. He will be a quarterback at the next level." That's I mean, not number two overall pick. Brady Scott's like six five. Like, give me a break. Yeah, but I, it's just like to me, and, and and to be honest, now it's just Nagy's play calling is so predictable. Like, I think it's like a, a run with Montgomery, try to do something crazy with Cordero Patterson in the backfield because Tariq Cohen's out, and then it's okay. Where's a Rob? Let's throw it up to him on third down. Let's see if he can get a catch. 
that seems like that's what that's what Kyle Brandt said on Good Morning Football. And I'm like, you know what? I've been trying to like nail it on the head of what the problem is and that's it. It's it's predictable play calling and like you said, you're wasting a good defense because they do have a good defense. And that defense can win you football games if the offense can just move the ball a little bit and put some points on the board. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know the Saints offense, like Drew Brees hasn't been good as it haven't been years past, but there's times where like if if you only score twenty three points against the Saints, you're most likely gonna lose. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't know. They, I think the I think the Bears are a fade team, honestly. If if the offense keeps going the way it does, um. But outside of that, the NFC East is still terrible. Um, Seattle is still rolling. Uh, Jamal Adams is going to be back this week for Seattle. Um, if that defense can somehow catch up to that offense, I, that's a Super Bowl caliber team. With Russ playing as good as he is, and the offense as good as they are. If the defense can somehow catch up to it, I, that's they're definitely a bet on team. Um, that's something I'm going to be looking forward to. So um, we're going to close the show out, the recap show this week. Is there any closing statements we have here, Chandler? Uh, the champ has claimed her title. Okay, the mayor uh, did not get uh, the knockout in the seventh round. The fight went the distance, and uh, she won by unanimous decision. If you didn't get to watch that fight, uh, I'm sorry that you missed it. It was a good fight. And now I think what's going to happen is McKenna Mayer is going to take on Terry Harper and win another belt. And then I think she's going to go find the the IFB champion and unify the division. And so I think in the next three to five years, she'll hold all the titles in that weight class. And then she's going to bump up and start fighting Olympic fighters. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting time with Michaela Mayer. Uh, that is for sure. But she got her first chance. She won. Told everybody she was going to win. Wish the line was a little bit better. I wish she wasn't as good as she was. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say but if that. she wasn't as good as she was, we wouldn't be talking you know, about her, right? Uh, if, that, if that had been like minus 200 – Ah, that's a good line, maybe. But it was it's crazy that she she was the challenger and she was minus six hundred to to win the belt. Uh, so that 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 was really really wild. Which yeah. Bronishka she dropped the belt at weigh in because uh, they fight in a hundred thirty pound division, and she weighed one thirty point seven, and then she cut her hair off, and then she weighed one thirty point one. Well, by rule, they wouldn't let her, you know, really alter anything else. So she missed weight, and so she uh, she dropped the belt on on uh, on the weigh in, which means basically, she if she won, she still didn't win the belt. She would have had to have worked her way back up to reclaim it, uh, and then if Mayor wins, she obviously wins the belt, and that's what happened. So did she like cut her hair or like shave it? Like, so so she so it was all braided. Uh, there there are certain rules for women boxers how they have to have their hair. Uh, it has to be, it has to be in a, like a tight formation, but it can't be with like any anything that's gonna pop out. Uh, so like uh, I don't think you can have like barrettes in there or anything. And most of the time it's really just they they braid their hair, 
and so she just she cut she cut the braids off like right at right at like the neck long and you know they asked her she was like well, i would shave my whole head off if they would have let me but uh they didn't so i thought it was very interesting uh i was watching the way in and saw that and i was like that's wild yeah no that's so it's like so are we claiming that michaela Mayers is like the first fade with caution favorite like podcast favorite is that like the go-to? Oh yeah, um, she's undefeated. I, th- I think she's seventeen and zero now. Uh, five knockouts. Uh, the thing with Mayor is she doesn't really have heavy hands. Now, don't get me wrong; she would still knock my ass out. But she has such good technique on the inside. Her jabs. Um, I think one of the reasons she didn't get a knockout in this one though was there was a couple rounds she started throwing haymakers. One of them was in the seventh round. And uh, Bronishka uh, kept uh, holding her and, like, legitimately wrapping her arms up. She got deducted two points for it. Uh, the ref had to stop the fight twice to to deduct points for it because every time Mayer was gaining traction, getting on the inside, uh, throwing her combos with her uppercuts and her hooks, uh, it, was, it was about to get brutal. And so – Some good that's, stuff. Yeah, that's just uh, – that's boxing. Yeah, yeah, good call on that. Um, she even shouted us out too with a retweet. So, you know, you're Michaela Mayer. If you end up listening to this podcast too, you're a fade with caution favorite. All right, we we love talking about you. We'll never bet against you. That is for sure. We'll never bet against you. That's for sure. But we just just kind of just help us out and try to get your 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 money line down just a tad bit, so we don't have to lay so much. But um. Yeah, no closing thoughts from me. Um, I'm really excited about Wednesday with the Maction. Um, when we do the next – when we do the Week 10 preview, we're going to recap the Maction. Um, I'm probably going to go to the window at Buffalo minus 11. I just, uh, well, looks like uh, looks like the Bucks went up. Nice. I need him to go by uh, 13 points. Yeah, you could have got – I think on that drive, you could have got on the live line at minus four and a half. No, it's five and a half. But, uh, anyways, I'm definitely probably going to go 62 freshman. That's insane. That's a crazy stat to look at. But, um, as always, I'm Chris Harris, your host. This is Chandler Carney. Um, be with us for our next podcast, and hopefully you'll listen to us soon. And, ultimately, always – Fade with caution.